welcome to the Speakeasy Sports Show. Time to pull up a seat, pour a glass, and talk some ball. Here's your hosts, Daniel and John. What is up, everybody? Speakeasy Sports Show. That's John. I'm Daniel. John, week three of college football is in the books. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about uh, what we're drinking. Let's talk about what we've been watching. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Um, listen, Daniel, I was told that this was going to be a dud of a college football weekend. No, it was, there's no good games, I don't know about John. you. Yeah, I don't know about you. There was there was a, a national editor of a, a major sports publication that told me that that this week's slate looked like a dud, but hmm. I I don't I didn't see any duds out there. I I had a good time watching college football this weekend. You said um, national <laughs> editor of a publication, and you immediately <laughs> lost me. So I um yeah that this was a fantastic week weekend of games. We have got much to discuss, much to cover. Uh, as always, thank you for finding the channel. If you're finding this video for the first time, go ahead. And, uh, if you like bourbon, subscribe to the channel. Mm. Alternately, if you like college football, subscribe to the channel. Both will be heavily featured in this episode. Speaking of bourbon and college football, John, what are you drinking tonight and why? And who are you drinking in in honor of? Daniel, I um, I have uh, – last week you you pulled up a beautiful bottle, Ooh, Frank August. that's a good-looking bottle. Um, yeah, you said you like decanters. Mm-hmm. So I brought uh, this decanter out. This IW Harper 15-year, really mm-hmm. solid bourbon, even a even a more solid bottle. Yeah. And I uh, this this bottle looks like money. And yeah, it looks like cash. on Friday, I yeah I did a Friday Night Live where I made some picks on this here YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And let me tell you, there were some there were some underdogs that made you boy some money. Um, yes, Mizzou. Sir. Florida, Colorado State covering the spread. So I'm drinking that in honor of all the underdogs that uh, kept things close or had some outright wins this week. You know what I like? I like that my man is over here. And two things. Number one, he's not afraid to remind you that subscribing to this channel (laughs) is going to make you money. So that's number one. Number two, my man's not afraid to come out here and drink in honor of his own fortunes that he has made. Um, kudos to you, John. We all we all salute you. And listen, if you tune in, if you watched, if you follow John's advice, then you too raise a glass and enjoy it. Now, listen, I am I'm traveling this week for work, John. And so mm-hmm. here's what I'm drinking. I'm drinking. It's actually a Knob Creek nine year single barrel, right? That's mm-hmm. what that's what I've mm-hmm. got here, and. Um, let's just say that the hotel that I'm staying at the bar is not fully stocked. Okay. Like it's, it was, it was a bit of a difficult time. Knew that I was recording this show, knew that I needed to come with a beverage in hand. And why would I want to discuss college football with my good friend, John, without a beverage in hand. And so I knew that I needed to prepare myself. I had to scramble a little bit. I had to scrounge a little bit, but I was able to acquire something satisfactory. I'm drinking this Knob Creek nine-year in honor of all of the college football teams that uh, 
maybe messed around a little bit this weekend. Maybe just did not have all mm. their ducks in a row. Maybe they were not fully prepared. Mm. I'm looking at you, Georgia Bulldogs. I'm looking at you, Michigan Wolverines. Oof. I'm looking at you, Florida State Seminoles. Like, there were a lot of Texas mm. Longhorns. Do you want to enter the chat? There were a lot of college football teams, John, that had to do a little bit of scrambling at the last minute to prepare themselves. But in the end... They came out with a satisfactory option, and so I raised this this uh, good old Knob Creek single barrel. It's a tried and true, a staple of anyone's bar. Uh, I raised beautiful. it to you. Listen, it was this, or it was just the the Jack Daniels, and so like it was. This was <laughs> it was. We we dodged a bullet here, folks. Like we really we really did. All right, John, when you look at this past weekend, it was a great slate of college football. But what was top shelf for you? Like, what was the thing that just jumped out of the headlines and said, this is this is the top shelf money item from week three? Um, Daniel, listen, I, I don't know if you have heard of a gentleman named Harrison Mevis that they call I have now. the thicker kicker. Mm. Okay. Say more. You want to talk about top shelf? Listen, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know what I don't know what Eli Drinkwitz has been doing with the Missouri offense. No, I don't know. No, nobody. Does. Somehow the no nobody knows what the, what they've been doing with that offense. Somehow this week they decided that uh, Brady Cook was going to go off and keep Mizzou in the game. Against a, a number 15th ranked Kansas State who had been playing very, very good football. And at the end of that game, Eli Drinkwitz, who, again, I don't know what the guy's been doing, but what he did do was he trotted out the biggest kicker in college football right now to kick a 61-yard field goal. And listen, it, at the end of the day um, – there are a lot of people that you look, you look at Justin Tucker in the NFL, like we see people kicking a football this far sure. um, in the highest level of, of football these days. I did not expect the thicker kicker, mm -mm. a guy they call the thicker kicker to come out and kick it 61 yards, like but that was absolutely top shelf. Kicking is power, but it's also flexibility, and my man does not have the look. Of a man <laughs> that possesses a tremendous amount of flexibility, but Harrison Mevis, kudos to you! What a what an absolute gem of an early game to kick Absolutely. off the, the college football Saturday. Fantastic. Absolutely, sixty-one yards, and it was a, it was a great gun. game. And at the gun, it would have been good from sixty-five. Also, shout out to Brady Cook. I mean, you know, Mizzou in general. I will say, I, I think they they were. Uh, top shelf this weekend, yeah. especially Brady Cook coming out on the field, getting booed by his own fans as he comes out on the field um, and ends up throwing and for 356 yards, two up. touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, lights him up. So kudos to Mizzou. Nice job, everybody. Um, <clears throat> my top shelf team this week is the Washington Huskies, uh, John. It, I think it's time that we start taking the Washington Huskies seriously. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. this could be a really good football team. And I'll tell you what I know for a fact. This is a really good college offense. And the defense is not as bad as it could be. It's not as bad. I think it's improved from last year. 
But Michael Penix Jr., mm-hmm. they went to Michigan State. Now, Michigan State is obviously a program in disarray. Um, they're, you know, mm-hmm. they got Mike D'Antonio running back out there. They, you know, fi- obviously, uh, I think he's not fired yet, but suspended. He's Mel Tucker, but I mean, come yeah, on, he's gone. They, Mel yeah. Tucker is gone. Like, he, well, they've, they have, yeah, they have announced that they have started the process of firing yeah, Mel Tucker. He, so they have to I, legally I know, jump yeah, through the I, correct hoops so they don't have to pay him $80 million. But the odds of Mel Tucker coaching another game in Michigan going. State are 0.0. The same as the odds of me or you coaching another game in Michigan State. <laughs> but Michael Penix came out here with no regard for human life. And he went 27 of 35, John, for 473. That's a 473 Jesus. with four touchdowns and no interceptions. And he did it all... Basically, in the first half, Washington shut it down after halftime. Washington scored thirty-four points in the thirty-five points in the first half of this game. First. Michael Penix got exactly what he wanted, everything he wanted, anytime he wanted it. Uh, the receivers on this Washington team are very, very. Very good. They had three guys with 100 yards receiving in this game. The backs are good. The game plan is good. And and again, I know Michigan State has actually been playing some pretty decent football this year, maybe above people's expectations of them. I know you lose your head coach and you lose all that or whatever. The Michigan State offense is not mm-hmm. – it's not Northwestern like that they were playing. Mm-mm. And the Washington defense no. came in there – you know, in East Lansing, and absolutely, just absolutely, put their foot on the put the foot on the throat, and just did not allow them to do anything. Michigan State got seven garbage time points, but this was basically a forty-one to nothing shutout. Uh, Washington over Michigan State, top shelf. The Washington Huskies might be for real, John. Hey, they had seven sacks, and listen, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. It's hard to get seven sacks in a in a college football game when you're playing another Power Five opponent, especially um, especially in the Big Ten, where you mentioned it. Michigan State is not they're not hot garbage, right? No. I mean, they have a lot going on in their program right now. Yeah, um, but that defense that defense getting seven sacks was was very eye opening um, for me because I think you know at the end of the day, if if Michael Penix is going to go out there and throw for four seventy and four touchdowns. Like it Who? seems, it, which seems like him? a pretty normal, which which seems like a pretty normal thing for him. Yeah. At this point, uh, he's, yeah, yeah. Who's who's gonna beat him? No, nobody. Um, but it would have to be somebody who's gonna outscore them. Yeah. And if you have a defense who's getting pressure on the quarterback like that, if you have a defense who's who's playing the run as well as Washington did this week, I mean, look out, look out. Um, I'll tell you who who I. I, do, I have more faith in the Washington defense right now than probably any defense in that Pac-12 for sure. Um, I mean, certainly more than USC. But, you know, it seems as or though... Or Oregon even. I mean, USC, Oregon, and I guess you could still throw Utah in there. They looked real shaky against Baylor. Yeah. But technically speaking, Utah's yeah. still taking yeah. care of business. Like they, I think you have to, at this point, put them in there. And then... John, mm-hmm. the winner this week of the biggest game in Pac-12 history, 
the biggest game in Pac-2 history. We'll get to it later. But the that the winner of that game has to be included in the conversation of contenders in the Pac-12. It's the most fun conference in America, and I love absolutely everything about it. Uh, let's get to who needs a drink, and I'm going to lead it off. There was no one who was exposed more this week as a fraud mm. than Josh Heupel. Mm. I, it was a really tough week to be Josh Heupel. Because this offensive system was supposed to be bulletproof. It was supposed to be... The only kryptonite was supposed to be Kirby Smart, the great, unarguably the greatest defensive mind in college football at this current moment. Mm-hmm. And, and then you hand-selected Joe Milton as your quarterback. And the hype machine around Joe Milton began to build. You lost all of your receivers, and yet it it didn't matter because the offense was bulletproof. You could plug anyone you wanted into that system, and Josh Heupel was going to coach them. To and then Tennessee comes out, they get a stop on drive one, they get the ball, and they storm down the field. John, they blitz Krieg mm. down the field, mm. and it looks like the mm-hmm. route is on. And that was basically all Tennessee did for the entire night. Florida was physically dominant at the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage. Florida bullied the Tennessee wide receivers. Florida put pressure on Joe Milton and made him make ridiculously terrible decisions. And the Tennessee defense got run all over by ETN and Johnson and the Florida offensive line, and and Billy Napier, who Tennessee fans have been mocking, openly mocking for months and months. Mm-hmm. Billy Napier coached circles around Josh Heupel. And so the person who I think needs a drink today is not Josh Heupel, but it is, in fact, everyone in the Tennessee <laughs> fan base who has actually tattooed Josh Heupel's face on their body because those people are out there. <laughs> And, and if you have Twitter, you've that seen That is a real him. thing. That is a real thing. If you've tattooed Josh Heupel's face onto your body, just buy this man a drink. If you see him, you don't even say anything. Just walk up to the bar, order something, point at that guy, and, and send it over just, because that man needs it. He's, he's, he's hurting bad. Just let me just let me give you another piece of advice. If you see the man, if you see a man with a Josh Heupel tattoo on, and sure. you're at a bar in a vicinity, mm-hmm. not just buy him a drink. Go with mm-hmm. something barrel proof. Yeah, you need something high proof. That man needs a painkiller. Yes, because <laughs> there is there is no pain uh, in the world like watching your your savior Josh Heupel get demolished by Billy Napier. Yeah, um, shut down by a Florida by a Florida defense who um honestly has not shown much in at all um that would tell that would say to you that they're going to be able to run with those Tennessee athletes and they and they absolutely did they sure did um so so those people need they, they do need who needs a drink today. for you to, this week John listen Daniel let me tell you something um I'm gonna go a little bit off the radar because I I think if anyone I don't I don't I don't think this game did very high in the ratings. But this isn't but, off the radar. This is a this, is, this a is a legendary college football rivalry. Absolutely. Pitt and West Virginia. 
legendary college football rivalry. Um, it's it's two teams that just do not like each other. Um, it's the you know it's it's the backyard brawl. It's mm-hmm. it's all of the chance. It's all of the hate. If you watch this football game and you endured these two offenses play college football this weekend, you need a drink. You need a drink. You sir, listener of the show, <laughs> you need a drink. West Virginia attempted 11 passes. They attempted to throw the ball 11 times. Stop. West Virginia quarterbacks went 6 for 11 for 60 yards. And they and won they, the football they game. They won going away. <laughs> they, they won going, going away, away, John. 17 to 6 because Pat Narduzzi, on the flip side, has Phil Jerkovic doing god knows what listen pat narduzzi he he was famously his his offensive coordinator got fired or left or whatever in the offseason he famously came out and flamed the guy mm-hmm. saying yeah all he wants to do is pass the ball i will you know when you've got poor uh run defenses why would you want to throw the ball so much against a defense that's one of the worst uh run defenses in college football he said that about his offensive coordinator he comes out against west virginia who is one of the worst pass defenses in college football Mm -hmm. and can't put a quarterback out there that can complete anything phil jerkovich eight for 20 81 yards and three interceptions against one of the worst uh pass defenses in college football um and pitt Pat Narduzzi, um, I think there's a tie between Kurt Ferentz and Pat Narduzzi as to which one hates offense more than the other. But this week, Pat Narduzzi definitely, definitely won uh, there because, man, I don't know what Pat – no, they put up a six spot. And so those two those two teams, if you endured that game, I'm sorry uh, that you watched that. Uh, the offense is tied with total yards at 211 each. <laughs> Um, there was eight total first downs between the two teams, eight total first downs, um, a total of 14 completions between, uh, those two teams, uh, for a total of 141 yards. So, uh, if you watch Pittsburgh versus West Virginia, the backyard brawl, I'm going to have a, have a, a drink for you and you should have many for yourself. Let me just ask you this, John, to close out this segment. Um, how badly must Pat Narduzzi not want to be hired as the next Michigan State head coach? Like he's, it seems as though he's doing everything in his power to be like Michigan State. Don't look over here. I do not want this job because he's the the very yeah. obvious candidate, right? Like he was an assistant at Michigan State yep. for very years obvious. and years and years, and he got that, and you know, mm-hmm. he got the head coaching mm-hmm. jobs, and he went off and he did his own thing, mm-hmm. and it seems like. Now would be the time they bring him, but and he's been a solid head coach for so many years. But yeah. the wheels have seemingly yeah. fallen off at Pitt, specifically offensively. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. Well, and they and they fallen fast too, right? I mean, I think it's not only not only have they fallen off from Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison winning the Bolitnikoff, yeah. uh, to it's gone the path of now Narduzzi in the offseason complaining that you know his offensive coordinator wanted to throw the ball too much and now he's in a situation where his his offense just stinks so pour one out for pittsburgh 
All right, John, let's get into the six-pack Speakeasy Sports Show, College Sports and High Spirits. A reminder to subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, let's get into a six-pack here. Let's crack open a six-pack of college football takeaways. And uh, I'm going to lead us off here. And I'm just going to ask a simple question. I'd love an honest answer from you. Is anyone good in college football? Could you just name a good team for me real quick? Is anybody? Anybody good? There is no listen, there is no one in college football. L- last year, let's talk let's let's just talk about it. Last year you had Georgia came out and beat Oregon in game one. Mm-hmm. Just obliterated Oregon, 49 to 3. You had you had teams every year you have teams in college football, at least that I've seen. 2020 Alabama um you had um you know t- in 2021 I think you had a couple of teams there you've had teams that come out and look just like absolute killing machines it's like it's a team that is a buzzsaw attached to a jet engine and you're yeah. like those those teams are the teams I don't see those Daniel I don't see those in college football right now I can't look down the list and say this is a team that you can bet on to come out and dominate lesser opponents no matter what um now you know you have every team that's like you're playing ranked games there's going to be good games there's gonna be close games that's college football but there's no team that i look and say if you put this team up against a lesser opponent they're going to dominate hands down can't find one let me just it it has to do a lot with competition i understand that so before anybody mm-hmm. starts yelling at me in the comments i understand different teams have played mm-hmm. different people and whatever yeah, but yeah. some of these teams play Bowling Green in Wyoming, so I don't want to hear too many of these comments. Let me just read off the top ten to you, John. And there are three teams mm. in this top ten that clearly have looked the most dominant so far this mm-hmm. season. You ready? You see if you can guess which three yep. teams it is: Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Florida State, Southern Cal, Ohio State. Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame, Oregon. Why is it that the three teams at the bottom of the top 10 are the three teams that have dominated the most in college football this season? Washington, Notre Dame, and Oregon. And I get it. They haven't played as stiff a competition as as some of these other teams have. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying they should be ranked ahead of any of these teams. That's not what I'm saying. Florida State has a better win than them. Mm-hmm. Texas has a better win than them. I, I get that. But Georgia did not look great on Saturday. Messed around with South Carolina. particularly. I mean, down by 11 points at halftime. Michigan messed around with Bowling Green on Saturday. I know they won comfortably. Texas messed around with Wyoming on Saturday, coming off the heels of the greatest win in program history since Vince Young. USC has not played one down of defense this entire season. Ohio State has messed around with Indiana so far this season. We've seen them look shaky at times. They've looked good. All these teams have looked good at times, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Penn State the same way. I wanted to put Penn State right up there near the top, and then they came out this weekend against an Illinois team. An Illinois team, by Mm -hmm. the way, they got blown out by Kansas last week. They came out against Illinois and struggled a little bit early in that game as well. I know they all, all these teams won comfortably except Florida State, who actually should have lost that game against Boston College. 
all these teams won comfortably, but there are no just go out and cut your throat and 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 casually walk away as if nothing happened. That team doesn't exist, and I'm just going to argue, John, it's so freaking good for college football. It, as a fan of college football, it makes me yeah. so happy because it's going to be a wild season this year. It's going to be absolutely wild, and I, I, I agree with you. When you have – um, a team, a team like which we haven't even talked about, a team like Alabama. We haven't talked about them because they're not in the top ten anymore. Nope, they're they're ranked outside the top ten for the first time since 2015. Um, but when, yeah, when you have a team like that roll into South Florida and everybody thinks, oh, you know, they they took their shot versus Texas, they got their loss. This is their bounce back week, and then you revenge have a team like tour. South Florida that's being physical. Yeah, revenge tour. <laughs> we have a team like South Florida that is that is being physical that is matching in physicality with a team like Alabama that say what you want. That's good for college football. Yeah. That is very good for college football. It's great to be a fan of college football. It's great Mm. to turn on a TV and see games that you thought in any other year would go an absolute snoozer would go the other way. You turn them on and they're, they're, they're playing some ball. There's, there's uh, some competition. I mean, you know, you, you, there's plenty of those on the slate. So, I, I would say I, I don't think anyone is good. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that um, we'll see this week. We've can got a good, good slate this week. Boy, um, there's a lot of good, can, good games this There's week. a lot of teams that can be good. We're going to talk a about lot. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Speaking we'll talk, of Alabama, yeah, we'll though, later. let's, let's right. crack open the second yep. second item in the six-pack. All right. Let's 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 talk about this, Daniel. Jalen Milrow did not play a single snap. I noticed. At quarterback. In in Tampa versus South Florida for Alabama, mm-hmm. um, there are people that have ha- that have major shows that are saying all kinds of things as to why that might be. There are people who are saying maybe Jalen Milrow was suspended, mm-hmm. maybe uh, Jalen Milrow, uh, you know, had something going on internal discipline, mm-hmm. etc. Witnessed a murder. I out Chris Martin. I am. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe witnessed a murder. There's a number of things that people are saying. I want to ask you this question, and, and of course we don't we don't know the answer, but I want to speculate. Did Nick Saban sit Jalen Milrow to prove a point? Um, you have hmm. an Alabama fan base. You have a, a maybe an offensive coordinator that was pushing for a change at quarterback. I don't know. But you have a lot of people who uh, were pushing for a change in quarterback after Jalen Milrow played Texas. Sure. Um, people who said, why, you know, Alabama's struggling, you know, Jalen Milrow's struggling a little bit. Why didn't you get Tyler Buckner in the game? Why didn't you get Ty Simpson in the game? I'm curious if Nick Saban went down to Tampa. And said, you know, maybe there was a reason. Maybe there was a reason that Jalen Miller wasn't going to start. Maybe there's a, maybe there are all other reasons. But I'm curious if Nick Saban just said, you know what? You wanted it. We're going to give it to you. We're going to roll Tyler Buckner out there. And we're going to and we're going to and we're going to see. We're going to roll Ty Simpson out there and we're going to see. Um, I, you know, I wonder at this stage if that if that was Nick Saban putting his team in a situation where there's some real adversity. We're going to see how you respond. I'm not going to pull the best athlete that I have on my team off the bench, put him in, give him the ball, who could probably do some things with his athleticism against South Florida. Uh, I'm curious if Nick Saban uh, sat Jalen Milrow to prove a point. 
I'll tell you why he didn't sit Jalen Milrow. He didn't sit Jalen Milrow because he's not the best quarterback on the team. Because there's no human being on God's green earth that could have possibly watched Alabama play football this season who is not confident in their bones that Jalen Milrow is unequivocally the best option for quarterback at the University of Alabama. There's no way to come to any other conclusion. And so Mm -hmm. we'll know this week, based on how much Jalen Milrow plays, I mean, I don't expect us to hear anything about suspensions or whatever. Like, we're not going to hear anything. But if they mess around and run out Ty Simpson... Mm-hmm. Or Tyler Buckner against Ole Miss. Well, Lane, Lane Kiffin is going to run them out of the building. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick Saban has said he has come out and said that Jalen Milrow is gonna is is in line to start. Right, but how much now, will he play? That's what I mean. Like, correct. How, how much, much will he play? Will are they going to pull somebody? It, in? Are we yeah. going to rotate quarterback? Like, yeah. Are we still unsure about? And and again, if you're not going to come yeah. out and announce a suspension or injury. Mm-hmm. And you didn't put him in in that game when it was three to three in the third quarter. Then, mm. I well, you're really just playing games with your season at this point. Like you're just you're playing yeah. games like a middle school girl with your season at this point. <laughs> like it's a. Mm-hmm. This episode is also brought it's, to you by Old Granddad. It's an interesting conundrum. So pour yourself out. Pour an Old Granddad <laughs> for. Let me. Let for me just the, simply for the old grand, old granddad in your life. Let me simply talk to you about this, um, John. Let me talk about another coach that may have we've so far on this episode we've we've addressed many coaches. Um, most recently, mm-hmm. Nick Saban has the game passed him by a little bit. People are asking, not you or I, of course, mm-hmm. but people are asking. Um, yeah, just people. Mike Gundy, the game might have passed old Mike Gundy by because. Oklahoma State is broken. They were not beaten by South Mm. Alabama this weekend, John. Um, The Oklahoma State Cowboys were absolutely destroyed, decimated by South Alabama. Mm -hmm. A good South Alabama team. Now, a team, a South Alabama team that is talented for a group of five team. But a South Alabama team that Tulane took to the woodshed in week one. And then they come in... And they absolutely run the Oklahoma State Cowboys because mm-hmm. Mike Gundy is playing a three-quarterback roulette system where mm. he is literally just scripting series and putting in quarterbacks no matter what they do. Like, no, yeah. he's the only college football coach that is basing his decisions on who starts and who plays and who doesn't play based off of something that has nothing to do with their performance on the field. It is a revolutionary (laughs) approach to coaching, and I do not think it's going to work for him long-term, John. Like, what is Mike Gundy doing? No idea. I mean, you know, no idea what Mike Gundy is doing. And I agree with you. I think, you know, there's there's a few things that that are a telltale sign that the game has passed you by. Mm-hmm. And 
listen, it's it's a new era. You have you know transfer portal. You have all these things. Um, but Mike Gundy, to your point, when when you when you are when you are creating essentially a script for a football game. <laughs> Yep, and you're just rolling people out there, and you're gonna follow your script, and you're gonna do your thing, and you are absolutely getting the brakes beat off of you, and you and you literally continue to rotate people out. You continue to not try to get any semblance of a run game going. You have your son out there going nine for eighteen for sixty four yards, and you continue to try him out there. I don't, I don't know, man. I think um, at, at some point you look at um, you look at someone like Mike Gundy, who he's been at Oklahoma State for a long time, super comfortable. There's not a lot of expectations. You're in that situation where you just, you know, you lost uh, Spencer Sanders, who, again, the guy transferred and he's sitting on the bench at Ole Miss. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I think at the end of the day, there are a lot of college football coaches that I feel like, and I, and I, I don't, I don't know how to articulate it, but I feel like there are a lot of uh, college football. Co- they're just cashing it. They're just they're just cashing it in. They're just yeah. punching the clock. I feel like Mike Gundy has moved into punch the clock mode at Oklahoma State. I feel like he's he's wearing the the school colors. He's showing up and he's doing the you know what he has to do. Uh, but I I don't I don't feel the the passion the fire to actually win from Mike Gundy anymore. No, um, no, you and, don't see it at all. Yeah, and and it's very clear. No, it's very clear with the way that he's running the program. Um, I mean, they, you know, this year they they won twenty seven to thirteen versus Central Arkansas. They won twenty seven to fifteen versus an Arizona State team who may not have enough people to even field an offensive line. Yeah, go peep Arizona <laughs> State score from yeah. this from this week if you want to know how good that Arizona State team is. Hundred percent, and then they get run out of the building, out of their own building by South Alabama, and now they're just now, you know, I mean, they've got to they've got to go uh, to Iowa State, which this this uh, this mid off between Matt Campbell and and uh, Mike Gundy is just gonna be a wild boy. This I mean, is you a- talk about two guys, you talk about two guys who this may this game may have passed them by. Uh, you talk about two be... guys whose institutions do n- are not aware that they have the power to fire them. Like this is they're <laughs> just they're just stuck there. They're there forever. Cor- like it's not a correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. But where, you, where but are we going but, next? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about um, another coach. So this seems like the coaching segment, yeah, right? We're, we're just getting we're just getting it, it all we're out. We're, yeah, we're yeah we're we're at the time. Let's go to Arkansas and let's talk about Sam Pittman. Man. Um, Sam, Sam Pittman, man, what a great guy. Sam Pittman, uh, I don't know of a single person in college football, no matter who you cheer for, that can look at Sam Pittman and have anything bad to say about <laughs> Sam Pittman. That man's right. just going to go I mean, and drink just, an old cold beer and sell. He's going to drink an old cold beer. He's we going, need yeah. to get Sam this Pittman is, on the Speakeasy Sports <laughs> Show, John, for the six we pack. We do, yeah, we do. We're, we're going to put him in the six pack for the old cold beer. Yeah, but Sam Pittman, listen, the guy came in and took over an impossible situation at Arkansas. Took over a team in the toughest conference in college football mm-hmm. that had had won nothing. Literally nothing in the years preceding him when he took over um, a team um, that, you know, had just really at the end of the day been just put in the in the in the tank in terms of personnel, in terms of 
the way that Chad Morris had recruited, like all these things. He comes in at a COVID year. He goes three and seven, turns around the next year, immediately goes nine and four. At one point is ranked in the top 10 yeah. um, in, in college football. Um, and then, you know, and then it's been downhill from there. This week, just a tough loss at home to BYU. I'm wondering, Daniel, is the clock ticking on Sam Pittman? I mean, mm-hmm. just had two years ago, you had the celebratory, you know, I'm I'm a Razorback for life. I've got my lake house. I signed you know this lifetime kind of pseudo contract. Um, now you've got fans who are disenchanted with Sam Pittman. You've got changes in coordinators. Who he had two very strong coordinators on his staff, uh, Barry Odom specifically. Who you know I think Barry Odom struggled a little bit with with kind of finding the right defense yeah. to run at Arkansas. But 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 at least you had strong kind of head coaching experience mm-hmm. on your staff. Um, is the clock ticking on Sam Pittman? What's what's the situation with Sam Pittman? What do, you, what do we think he has to do this year uh, to kind of turn things around for himself um, at Arkansas? That game was such a weird game, man. I thought Arkansas was going to mm-hmm. come out and dominate. The way they the way they took the field, no. the way that game went early, K.J. Jefferson had it going. Mm-hmm. They've got such a talented mm-hmm. group and a talented team. They, mm-hmm. you know, they got experience at quarterback. They've got talent at mm-hmm. quarterback. KJ Jefferson's not, you know, you you may not think he's the best quarterback yeah. in the world, but you could do a lot worse than KJ Jefferson. Schools around mm-hmm. the country will let you know. Alabama would will attest you could do a lot worse than KJ Jefferson. I thought they were going to come in and absolutely run BYU out of the building. This is a BYU team. That has, you know, had its ups and downs so far this year. Maybe mm-hmm. not the strongest team, but it's another Power Five loss for the SEC. And um, after halftime, Arkansas just disappeared. John, mm-hmm. it was like two different yeah. games, like, and you just hate to put everything when you see a bunch of procedural type penalties. There's really only one person mm-hmm. to blame for that. It's the head coach, yeah. right? Unless it's Alabama. And then it's just really out of character. It's really out of character for them that they've had all these penalties for two years in a row every single game. It's really out of character. Um, it's the head coach's fault. And when you see a mm-hmm. team that absolutely gets worked in the second half, it's hard mm-hmm. to not equate that to coaching and halftime adjustments. See Georgia, South yeah. Carolina. South Carolina came out with an unbelievable plan in that game. They scripted an unbelievable like game plan for Spencer Rattler, and he came out and, and executed it to perfection. And Georgia was on their heels, and they were reeling, and they didn't know what to do. And then they went into the locker room, and Kirby Smart was Kirby Smart, and Shane Beamer was Shane Beamer, and they came out, and you see what happened. And so it... Yeah, like yeah. that's what happened to Arkansas in this game, and so yeah, it's hard not to put some of that responsibility mm-hmm. on the head coach. I'm gonna be quick with my my last one, and then I'll let you get to your last one because it's more interesting. Um, it's the it's just the weekly mention of Brian Ferentz on the show. We're gonna we're gonna touch him touch on him every week. We may not have many more weeks left to talk about Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, and so we got to get to him while we can. Forty one points, John. We did it. We're here. We Woo! did it. We finally um, finally went over the threshold, banked a few points. We put some in the bank, in the savings account. We're over 
25 points per game right now for the season. Not by a lot, but we are over 25 mm-hmm. points per game for the season. Mm-hmm. And so congratulations to Brian Ferentz, Kurt Ferentz. Thanksgiving is back on, John. I love it. And also shout out to uh, whoever is running the BF Point Tracker mm-hmm. Twitter account. You love it. So you love to see it. Go, go follow at BF Point Tracker on Twitter, and they and and they will tweet every week how many points there are to go, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, Brian Brian Ferentz has two hundred and forty total points to go to hit it, his Brian. to hit his mark. He can do it. He can do it. Uh, seven wins, two hundred and forty points to go. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, we're gonna talk about uh, Colorado real quick and mm-hmm. listen. What a game! What a game! Co- Colorado, Colorado State. People Did getting anybody gouged tell? in the eyes, punches being thrown. Boy, people, we got rappers on the sideline standing nine inches from the field. You, you got the rock there. Travis Hunter got it. Got an absolute cheap shot Golly, on him. I the guy got a lacerated that. liver. I hate. It's so that. terrible. But I don't know the last college football game where someone, a human, has gotten a lacerated liver. It's not a common in a injury. Football game. It's not a common injury. It's right no, below I mean, sports boys, hernia. You go, you go, you go. <laughs> ACL, sports hernia, yeah. lacerated liver, right below that. Lacerated liver. Yeah. No. The, the, but them boys are playing. What a game! No one told Colorado State that they were twenty three and a half point underdogs. No, sir. Um, Jay Norvell, after you know a whole week of nothing but Colorado hype, uh, he said, "We're going to show up and we're going to play." And what a game! That's not what I want to talk about, though. The game is fantastic. Kudos to Colorado. I mean, shout out. You know, you lose uh, one of the best players in college football and Travis Hunter early in the game. You're able to come out and overcome a, a lot of things, win a game in double overtime, um, in in an overtime situation where you actually, it seemed like you may not even have known the rules of overtime. Uh, Nobody the knew the rules you, of overtime. The way that what you took the, the ball first. Doing? I mean, it was just wild. No. No, no one knew the rules over time. I almost but woke I ask my Daniel. wife up to be like, honey, honey, wake up. Can you believe that they're sending the same team yeah. out again to go first? <laughs> I mean, it was just wild. But let me tell you, Daniel, speaking of rules, what are the rules of rushing the field mm. when you win a game in double overtime where you were a 23 and a half point favorite? Let me tell you. What do we think about... <laughs> What do you think about rushing the field in Boulder, Colorado? I tell you because it's a it's a controversial topic, but I have the definitive answer on it. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. either a you've never seen a college football team win a game before, which is likely mm-hmm. true of most of the people that were in that building, or b <laughs> have never even seen or heard of college football before that exact night that you were in the stadium, um, then you're allowed to rush the field whenever you want. Tennessee fan let you know you can rush the field just right in the middle of the game. It doesn't even matter. Uh, You can rush the field if those two things are true, and those are true of Colorado. Like, there's no football fans in those stands, John. There's not a single person who cares about football in them stands. And so, yeah, rush the field, kids. I don't care what you do. Like, that's fine. They don't don't know that they were a 24-point favorite. They don't know that... What did Dion say? They don't say? even know we, their lines on these games. They have, they have no idea. Played like garbage in the first what? half. They don't know. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just know their team won. And no. I mean, for the sake of that officiating crew, 
thank goodness Colorado won. Because if Colorado had lost, when they had put the wrong team out there to begin double overtime, like, can you imagine? Yes. If you're, like, that's a, that's a, that's an absolutely wild situation. Um, uh, all right, John, let's get into what we're looking forward to this weekend. There's so many great, we talked about, we've talked about it all week. There's so many great games on the slate for week four. So let's break down what do we like, what are we looking for, what are we hunting for this weekend as you go into the liquor store and you're moving the bottles aside and you're looking for the hidden gems mm-hmm. that are hit that are tucked away, the allocated items back there. What what are we hunting for this weekend on our televisions? You don't have to look far because there's gold mm-hmm. everywhere. Boy, there are some there is some gold. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm hunting uh for a Lane Kiffin win versus Nick Saban. And I'm curious if is this Lane Kiffin's now or never moment mm. versus Nick Saban? Lane Kiffin uh is he is the only assistant that has into Tuscaloosa so far. I mean, I think he's the <laughs> only feels one that's like yet it, right? to beat it. Yeah, I think at this point. Well, I'll tell you this: maybe by the end of the season, he may have been the only one left uh, to to have not beaten Nick Saban if he doesn't win this game. Um, Ole Miss, you know, I I think Ole Miss struggled a little bit with Tulane. You've got you know a lot of things uh, that that people are saying about Alabama and kind of what kind of team they are. Um, I I am looking to see is this Lane Kiffin's now or never moment. Is Nick Saban going to find a way to win a game in a big way like he has in the past? Um, when I am when I am looking this weekend at this slate, there's a lot of intriguing matchups. There's there's six uh, ranked uh, mm. top twenty five uh, opponents playing each other, um, which is I think the the most. I don't, I don't remember the the date, but it's the most in a long time, um, and. So just a great slate, but I'm curious if if Lane Kiffin is going to be able to show up. We talked about this with mm. Steve Sarkeesian, right? When I, when I stepped yeah. out and I said Steve Steve Sarkeesian has never won a game like this, um, and I think the same thing is true with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin has won you know more big games than than Steve Sarkeesian, but not many. Um, and I'm curious to see if Lane Kiffin is going to be able to pull it off this weekend. Yeah, I mean it's a it's definitely a game that everybody will be watching. This isn't, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't a pick show, which maybe we may or may not have coming up at the end of the week. Who knows? But um, I kind of like Alabama big in that game, John. I kind of like Alabama to roll in that game. Uh, it'll be interesting you, to see. I'll tell you, yeah. If you're if you're curious, if you're curious, my thoughts on it. Just go go to Lane Kiffin's Twitter account. Ooh. And look at his replies. Always a good time. Look at his replies this week. Look at the tweets. Look at the tweets that he's engaging with. Um, and you you tell me what's going to happen this mm. game. Because when I see what he's doing on Twitter, I'm like, mm, that doesn't feel like a, that doesn't feel like a man uh, that is about to play in Tuscaloosa and play uh, the best college football coach of all time this week. I'm interested to see what if. What if, now let me take you to a mystical world where what if Clemson isn't as bad as we thought they were when Duke absolutely Mm. embarrassed them in week one? Keep in mind, 
Clemson doesn't need me to make excuses, and I certainly have no interest in making excuses for Clemson. But keep in mind that Clemson fumbled multiple times in the red zone going into the end zone in that game. Mm -hmm. As bad as they played, and they did play bad, and they did look bad, Mm -hmm. they still could have, and maybe you could even argue should have, won that game. They've obviously played two much lesser opponents. They have, you know, they they messed around in the first half last weekend. We all know that. But they won by like 60 points. They dominated again this weekend. Cade Klubnik is at least putting up stats and he's putting up yards. The offense is scoring points, mm-hmm. which there was some debate about whether the offense could score points after the Duke game. Mm-hmm. Florida yep. State comes... Comes into town. Were they looking ahead when they went to Boston College last weekend? Was Florida State? Did they spend two or three practices last week practicing for Clemson? This is a place that Florida State has not had hardly any success going to Death Valley and trying to play a game. You know, people are rubbing a rock on the sidelines. It's like it's a whole thing going on in Clemson, South Carolina. What if Clemson's not as bad as we think they are? And what if Clemson comes out and shocks the world this weekend and beats Florida State? I actually think in terms of rankings, it would be a monumental upset. But to me, it has all the feel of Tennessee, Florida from this last week. Just little old Clemson got embarrassed early in the season. They don't have any business being in this game. They're not the same caliber of team. As the look at all the athletes, look at all the the five stars, look at all the, the you know the shiny new objects over here on the Florida State sideline. It has a lot of that Tennessee Florida feel to it, and I could see the game going a pretty similar way to that Tennessee Florida game. It'll be interesting. I will be watching. Yeah, I think you know one thing uh, that we do know when it comes to Clemson. They they have historically had those games like they've had with Duke. They haven't historically lost them in the in the most recent years, but they have they have had those games like they've had with Duke. But but generally when they show up to play a team like Florida State, um, especially on that defensive side of the ball, you've got you still got some five star, four and five star defensive guys. Who who know how to? They have not forgotten how to play football. No, they've not forgotten how to play physical. They have not forgotten how to get after the quarterback. Um, no matter what happened in Week One with Duke, uh, you have some guys on that side of the ball that that I think, particularly on that side of the ball, they're strong. And then, you know, Kate Kate Klubnik. I mean, Clemson, you know, is averaging about thirty yards more per game than Florida State uh, from an offensive side of the ball, and so. Uh, even even with a tough loss to Duke, I I agree with you. It, this does feel like that. It feels it feels a little bit like, um, you know, the situation. Is, you know, I would say similar to even Alabama and Ole Miss, like we mentioned a second ago, where you got a team that you feel like has got a little bit together. Yeah. This is their year to come in to somebody else's house and do something. Um, I'd watch out. I'd watch out for mm. for Clemson this week. You got anything else you're looking out for Are we, this weekend? Okay. Well, we're gonna we have the Pac two championship. The Pac two championship game. That we, <laughs> Golly, conference. We gotta of talk champions. about the Pac two championship game. Woo. The conference of two champions. That's right. Uh, or at least like like <laughs> a champion will be crowned they, of, of the future Pac two conference. 
if the if the it's a top twenty five matchup. If the Daniel. presidents of these schools do not put their heads together and come up with a dang trophy and award it to the winner of this game with confetti and a ceremony at midfield, they have missed the most golden opportunity God. in the history of sports. This is the Pac two championship game, and it is a it is, top twenty five matchup. It is number. DJU struggled a little is, bit this last week. It is number week. fourteen. Yeah, but yeah, but Oregon yeah. State's a good team. Number number fourteen, Oregon State. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. No, nah, that's fine. It. And Washington State is also a very just, good team. The game is in Pullman. I said to you a couple weeks ago, I give a slight edge to Washington State because the game is in Pullman. Um, I'm still gonna go that way. I do think DJU is the difference maker in this game, but listen to me. This is the this is the game I will be locked into on Saturday. Forget about all those other top twenty five garbage matchups. This is the one that that the nation will be watching because only one champion will be crowned on Saturday. The Pac two championship goes through Pullman, Washington, and um, gosh, I'm I'm so excited. And whoever wins this game, you better just sign on to home field apparel and buy the merch and go ahead and get on the bandwagon because I'm riding that team the rest of the season. I'm, I'm cheering for them to go undefeated. I'm cheering for them to take everybody down. I, uh, I'm so, I'm so pumped for this game. Such a great game. Yeah. Um, all right, John, well, that'll do it for us tonight. Um, enjoy the weekend of college football. If you're new to the channel, if you're just finding the channel, subscribe. We would really appreciate it. It helps us out a bunch. We put out lots of these videos every week. We do bourbon tasting videos in the middle of the week. We'll do picks videos. We've got a lot of, we'll, we'll have guests on coming up. We've got a lot of stuff planned for the season. Would love to have you along for the ride. So subscribe to the channel and uh, leave us a comment. Let us know that you're watching and we will see you guys next time. 